you may be seated. We're going to have our offering at the end this morning, and so I want to get uh, right into our Missions Sunday uh, special day, and I'm glad that you're here this morning. Uh, If you are our guest today, you caught us on a unique Sunday. Uh, This is the Sunday of the year when Centennial Baptist Church determines uh, what we will do for the cause of global evangelization for the next 12 months. And so this is a a once-a-year service. Uh, Though we're passionate about missions year-round, because it is a practice that is near to the heart of God. David Livingston once famously said, God had only one son, and he made him a missionary. And you know, when we are passionate about what God is passionate about, then we are standing on solid ground. God so loved the world that he gave. What did he give? His only begotten son. Why did he give his son? That whosoever believes in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. God made it possible for all those who believe to experience eternal life. And if you've never believed in Jesus for salvation, you can do that right here this morning because you have heard who Jesus is. But the fact is there are many people who don't know who Jesus is. Uh, As it says in Romans 10, how shall they believe in him of whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach except they be sent? And as children of God, It is our family privilege uh, to share the gospel with people around us, but it's also our family privilege to invest in eternity by sending gospel witnesses everywhere. And so let's go to 2 Corinthians chapter 8 this morning, 2 Corinthians chapter 8, and we're going to be in this passage for the entire message this morning. Uh, As you turn there, let me mention uh, a couple of things real quickly. I want to thank all those who helped with Trunk or Treat last night, and thank you especially to Sarah Fuentes, who headed it up this year, and uh, hundreds of Bibles went out, and uh, just a lot of new connections that were made. I want to thank everybody uh, who helped. Uh, also, let me give you a couple of quick instructions about our mission banquet this evening. The international dinner begins at 5.30 out in the gymnasium. And if you could bring your food items, uh, an international dish and dessert, by 5.15, that would be wonderful so we could start right on time. Also, if you get there a few minutes early, uh, we have some information tables that highlight our personal, local, and global mission opportunities. And there are going to be people there to answer any questions that you have. Now, November starts Tuesday. And it is going to be an exciting month. I was looking at the calendar. There are four calendar items that I want you to know about. Uh, Next week is Who's Your One Sunday. Hope you can invite somebody to come with you. Uh, And then November 13th is Harvest Sunday. And we're going to have a chili cook-off and a lunchtime fellowship. On the morning of November 20th, we have a baby dedication time in our service And in the evening, we have our Thanksgiving communion service at 5.30. So it's going to be a great month. Okay, if you have found your way to 2 Corinthians 8, I'm going to start there by reading the first five verses here this morning. 
Moreover, brethren, we do you to wit of the grace of God bestowed on the churches of Macedonia, how that in a great trial of affliction, the abundance of their joy and their deep poverty abounded unto the riches of their liberality. For to their power I bear record, yea, and beyond their power they were willing of themselves, praying us with much entreaty that we would receive the gift that take upon us the fellowship of the ministering to the saints. And this they did, not as we hoped, but first gave their own selves to the Lord and unto us by the will of God. As he wrote to the church in Corinth, Paul revealed a first century model for grace giving. The churches of Macedonia gave beyond their power to give, but it was only because of God's grace upon them. Uh, Only God's grace can allow someone to give beyond his power. And as we walk through this chapter and into chapter 9 this morning, we're going to see some of the principles of grace giving that are revealed to us uh, here in 2 Corinthians. And so go back to verse number 2, and uh, let's read it one more time. How that in a great trial of affliction, the abundance of their joy and their deep poverty abounded unto the riches of their liberality. Let's note this first this morning. Giving is about priorities, not about problems. Giving is about priorities, not about problems. We're talking about grace giving. And uh, some people uh, see negatives where other people see opportunities. It's all a matter of perspective. Most people in their situation, these Macedonian Christians, uh, most people would have focused on the deep poverty and said, hey, look, there's an obvious reason why we can't be involved in this. We have such a small amount to give. But instead, they focused on the needs of others, which is really unfathomable because the, the Macedonian churches were filled with some of the poorest people in the world. But rather than noticing their own limitations, they abounded unto the riches of what the Bible calls their liberality, their extreme generosity. There's an old story that you may have heard before. Uh, Once upon a time, a a shoe company sent two salesmen to Africa to determine the market potential for their products. And one salesman was sent to the east coast of Africa. The other salesman was sent to the west coast of Africa. And both the salesmen completed a basic survey of the target market, and they called back to the office. The salesman on the east coast Uh, sent back his report, and his report was this. No one here wears shoes. There is no market for us here. Uh, Now, the other salesman from the west coast of Africa sent a message. He said, no one here wears any shoes. There is a huge market for us. Send inventory fast. You know, attitude makes a big difference when it comes to how we invest our lives and resources. When you determine that the world, hearing the good news of the gospel, is a real priority, then you will focus on the priority instead of the problems. In the modern world, think of all the things that have become priorities to the American family. Uh, Of course, there is housing and transportation, insurance and food. 
but there's also a satellite or cable, cable bill, a Netflix subscription, and uh, the subscription to this app and that app, uh, $120 to $150 a month at various coffee shops, uh, lunch or dinner at restaurants, the monthly car wash bill, beauty products, uh, diet products, gym memberships, uh, the entertainment magazines with the latest scuttlebutt, pet products, clothes, all sorts of other stuff. The only way that missions fits into a budget like this is if you make it a priority. If you wait until after you spend on everything else to figure out what you'll invest in eternity, it'll never happen. Uh, in the scope of eternity, resource management is a paradox in itself uh, because thousands invested every month in the stuff of this world turns into zero in eternity. And yet, every single penny invested in eternity lasts forever. By the way, have you guys noticed any pennies today? Did anybody see one? Did you guys see one? I know some of the kids saw them. Uh, did anybody see one and leave it there? Did you see one and leave it there? A couple people, because I made you. Um, did, did anybody see one and pick it up? Did you see one and pick it up? Okay, a few people. Now, here's the deal. Whether you picked it up or not, whether you paid attention or not, the value of the penny is still the same. The value doesn't change based on who notices or who doesn't notice it. It's sort of like how we view the souls around us. So often we fail to notice the souls around us, and even when we do notice them, they don't matter to us as much as they could or should. But every soul matters to God the same, and souls are the only thing that will last forever. You know, every person in every place is a soul for which Jesus shed his precious blood on the cross. And that person that you invite for who's your one day matters to God. And so does the person that you don't invite. Second Peter 3 says that God is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. That's why we should care about souls. That's why missions should be a priority. So that one penny is just a little reminder to you to invite your one and see what God does as a result. Now, in his parable of the Great Supper, Jesus said this, go out into the highways and hedges and compel them to come in, that my house may be filled. What was he saying? He said, Jesus wants everybody in heaven. He wants everybody in heaven in his Father's house. And he asks us, his servants, to share the invitation with as many people as we can whenever we have an opportunity in whatever place. Now, let's read in verse 5 as we move down through the passage. 2 Corinthians 8 and verse number 5. Uh, and this they did, not as we hoped, but first gave their own selves to the Lord and to us by the will of God. Let's see another principle of grace giving. If God has your heart, then he has your hand. If God has your heart, then he has your hand. This verse reminds us 
uh, before they could provide for the needs of others, they first had to give their own selves to the Lord. And if you don't yield your heart to God, you'll never yield anything else either. The heart leads the way. Uh, If God has your heart, then you'll never have a problem following His leading. Uh, You look at the end of verse 3, it says, they were willing of themselves. They were willing of themselves. Uh, You go down to the end of verse 5, it says, unto us by the will of God. Now, in verse 6, it's it's interesting we find that Paul also sent Titus uh, to Corinth to teach them about grace giving. Look at some of the principles he was going to teach them uh, in verses 7 through 11 here. Uh, If you are in 2 Corinthians 8, check out verse 7. Therefore, as ye abound in everything, in faith and utterance and knowledge and in all diligence and in your love to us, see that ye abound in this grace also. Which grace is that? Grace giving. He said, I speak not by commandment, but by occasion of the forwardness of others and to prove the sincerity of your love. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, that ye through his poverty might be rich. And herein I give my advice, for this is expedient for you, who have begun before not only to do, but also to be forward a year ago. Now therefore perform the doing of it, that as there was a readiness to will, so there may be a performance also of that which ye have. And so when we look at this, grace giving clearly begins with grace. But we notice in these verses that it also encourages growth, uh, that you abound in this grace also. And it encourages generosity based on the example of Jesus, right? Did you see what it says about Jesus, Uh, that though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor? Uh, Verse 12 brings us to another important truth. For if there be first a willing mind, it is accepted according to that a man hath, and not according to that he hath not. So let's talk about principle number three. Giving is not about wealth, but about willingness. It's not about wealth, it's about willingness. Grace giving was according to what a person had, not according to what he didn't have. And that makes sense, right? After all, how can you give something you don't have, right? Unless you're the government. Sorry, I get confused. Um, There are some great imaginary givers, right? What's an imaginary giver? An imaginary giver is someone who says, God, if you'll give me a million dollars, right, that I'll give 50,000 to world missions. That's an imaginary giver. God is looking for an authentic giver. An authentic giver just gives out of what he already has. Now, <laughs> this principle is, holds true. If you won't give out of $100, then you won't give out of $100,000 either. A higher income won't change your giving habits. But you know, imaginary giving is really just a ploy to justify to our own hearts that we care, 
right? We say, you know what? If I won the lottery that's a billion dollars, I would do so much for God. And God is saying, yeah, right, you would. You're not doing anything now. And, and so uh, imaginary giving doesn't work in the Christian life. Giving starts with willingness, not wealth. And faith promise giving, grace giving, always starts with what God has already provided, what we have. Let's read through verses 13 and 14. It's so powerful how he explains this. For I mean not that other men be eased and ye be burdened, but by an equality, that now at this time your abundance may be a supply for their want, that their abundance also may be a supply for your want, that there may be equality. And you can find that God desires that your abundance may be a supply for your want. It is always good to ask the question, God, why have you given me more than I need? Why have you given me more than I need? And you know what? There's always a reason why. And there was a rich fool in Luke 12 who said, God, you gave me so much, and I discovered the reason why. I'm going to tear down my barns and build bigger barns. And I'm going to fill those barns up, and then I'm going to say to my soul, soul, Take your ease. Eat, drink, and be merry. You got life by the tail. And Jesus said, Thou fool, this night thy soul shall be required of thee. And then who shall those things be? Right? And so when you have an abundance, it may not be that God wants you to hoard it. It may be that God wants you to offer it uh, as grace-giving. There's always a reason why we have more than we need. Then we get to verse number 15, and this is kind of an interesting verse. As it is written, he that had gathered much had nothing over, and he that had gathered little had no lack. You say, well, where's it written? What, what does that mean, as it is written? Well, this goes all the way back to the book of Exodus. When the Israelites had just escaped from Egypt, and they had crossed the Red Sea, only to realize that there were no grocery stores available out in the wilderness. And so God provided a nutritious food item for them that they literally called, what is it? Or manna, right? That's what they named it. Every day they would eat it, and then they'd say, what is it? And then the next day they'd eat some more. And no matter how much a person gathered for his family, God's supply was always just enough. He that gathered much had nothing over. You couldn't keep it. You couldn't hoard it. And he that gathered little had no lack. And God provides the same way for us when we are willing to give out of what we have. You know, many of the great mission givers that, that I've witnessed in my lifetime have been low to middle income people who just had enough sense to take God at His word. Uh, my parents are actually examples of that. They have never made a high wage. I doubt uh, that they ever combined, uh, made an income of more than $45,000 a year. Uh, but they have been giving to missions and increasing their commitments slowly over many decades, going from $20 to $30 a week and then to $50 or $100 a week and then over $200 a week. And you say, how do you know? Well, they never told me or anyone else what they give. And I wasn't like spying on them. 
But I happened to see like offering envelopes at their house, right, ready to be handed in. And so uh, when I saw these numbers, the, the other day I just sat down and grabbed a calculator and did some math. And it, it looks like to me somewhere well north of a quarter million dollars has been offered for missions giving out of what God has provided them to live on. You might say that they have invested what could be their retirement into eternity, which seems like a bold, audacious move. But to them, it's just simple faith. And this passion hasn't just shaped their hearts. It has shaped and guarded the hearts of their kids and grandkids toward keeping eternity in view. And I want you to know there is a ripple effect that happens when we are passionate about what God loves. There are so many benefits that we can't even quantify in our lives and our families. And I truly believe that missions giving protects our heart from greed. It really does. When we are invested in world missions, it protects our heart from clutching for ourselves. As you read through this chapter, verses 16 to 24, have some more instructions uh, for them about Titus and, and others who are going to come with Titus. But I want you to check out verse number 24 at the end of that section. Wherefore, show ye to them, and before the churches, the proof of your love and of our boasting on your behalf. And so Paul says giving, grace giving, was a proof of love. And by the way, it always is. God so loved that he gave. Giving isn't about legalism, it's about love. Giving doesn't make God love you more. Failing to give doesn't make God love you any less. But giving is a proof of love uh, for us to God. I want to move into chapter 9 as we continue to talk about the ministering to the saints and, and grace giving. And I want you to move down with me uh, to verse number 6, and let's read uh, verses 6 through 8. But this I say, he which soweth sparingly shall reap also sparingly, and he which soweth bountifully shall reap also bountifully. Every man, according as he purposeth in his heart, so let him give, not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loveth the cheerful giver." And God is able to make all grace abound toward you, that ye always, having all sufficiency in all things, may abound to every good work. Now, let's talk about this principle. Giving isn't an obligation. It's an opportunity. Giving isn't an obligation. It's an opportunity. And verse 6 holds a principle for us. Uh, this is a principle seen in many places in the Scripture uh, when you sow little, you reap little. And when you sow a lot, you reap a lot, okay? And this isn't really about amounts, it's about proportion. The two adverbs used here are sparingly and bountifully. And I want to illustrate for you sparingly and bountifully here. And I know that some of you thought that this was like a live organ donation thing because it says West Valley Medical Center on it, but it's not. Uh, it's ice cream, okay, which actually is a lot different than 
what you were thinking, right? All right. So get some of this out. And let's talk about uh, sparingly and bountifully. Oh, thought I had another spoon. Oh, I do. I have two. All right. Now, if you come over to my house or I go to your house, and we open up some ice cream. Oh, still got the film on it. Means it's fresh. I am really tempted to lick this right now. <laughs> How many of you lick the? Do you guys lick the thing? Colby does. Colby had a wig on last night that looked exactly like his hair. It was just darker. <laughs> um, all right. So, if I go to your house and you offer me of your ice cream sparingly, okay, that means. Oh, Amy warned me that this was going to happen. She said, that scoop gets too cold. She was right. All right, here you go. Here's your ice cream. That's what's called offering sparingly, right? It's just a taste, right? Sparingly doesn't really do much for anybody. It's just a token that I gave you something, right? And that's how it is sometimes when we sow various things in our lives, including in grace giving. Now, bountifully is a different word, okay? Bountifully is like, you know, you don't care where it goes, just kind of spill it all over. How many of you, when you get ice cream on the counter, you like lick it up with your finger? Be honest. Colby raised his hand again. All right. Are we getting close to bountifully? How many think we're getting close to bountifully? No, Reuben says no. All right. And I did choose a big bowl, too, so. We done passed it? All right. But we're almost, like, to the bottom now. I wish I had an extra spoon so I could have some. All right. Bountifully. That's bountifully, right? There you go. All right, so we've got two adverbs here. Now, <laughs> the funny thing is, I was looking at this. Talk about advertising. This says one and a half quarts, but on the sign it said a half gallon of ice cream. This is only three-fourths of a, of a half gallon. That's just wrong. Can't believe that. You know, if you give me of your ice cream bountifully, it means you load up my bowl. You don't worry how much is left in the container. It's the difference between sparingly and bountifully. See, the giver who clutches resources and only releases them sparingly doesn't really trust that God will provide another half gallon of ice cream next week. Right? He acts like this is the last half gallon of ice cream, three quarters of a half gallon of ice cream, that he will ever get. But the bountiful giver trusts that God is going to refill the barrel so that he can give it again. The bountiful giver, according to verse 7, look at this, 
purposes in his heart. Okay? So, to purpose in your heart means that you set a percentage or a number or an amount. Okay? You don't just do it haphazardly. You purpose in your heart what it's going to be. And he's not worried about where he'll get more because he knows that you can't outgive God. And over the years of missions giving, I have seen verse 8 come true again and again. God is able to make all grace abound towards you, that ye always having all sufficiency in all things may abound to every good work. God gives you just enough so that you can give bountifully, and then he gives you more so that you can give again. God is able to make all grace abound towards you. And if you truly believe that, then you'll be a part of grace giving. Uh, Amy and I started giving to Faith Promise Missions together back in 1994 when we were married. And I remember uh, the first year that we uh, promised uh, for Faith Promise Giving, for Missions Giving, we gave $20 a week together. And it was a stretch until we realized that we've been going to Applebee's like Applebee's like two times a week and eating the little riblets that were all you can eat. And then we remembered that, you know what, if we had the money to do that, we could, the $20 would probably be okay. Uh, but for about the last 20 years, we've each made our own individual faith promise commitment. Okay, so she gives hers and I give mine. And I am blown away. Uh, by how God has used our mission commitments to shape our hearts toward global evangelization. And I won't tell you Amy's story on it, but I will tell you mine. Uh, God has miraculously provided every year for me to scoop more ice cream out of the bucket than I did the year before, right? Have you ever bought the ice cream that it seems like they filled it with air? right? And like the whole half gallon is gone in one sitting, he's not even eating his ice cream. I'm alarmed by this. He's being very respectful, but it's going to melt. Um, but, but then you buy sometimes the ice cream and it is dense. Like it is, like when they say it's full, like it's actually full. And it, you can eat on that thing for a long time, Right? And that's how God uh, does. He just keeps making it where we can scoop more and more out of the bucket. And by His grace alone, this doesn't have anything to do with me, this is God's grace. Uh, but I have increased my missions giving every single year for 20 years. And God has always filled the container up again so that I can give some more the next time. And I am overwhelmed by His grace. It is literally nothing that I could do in my own strength, my own provision. Even the faith to give is a miracle of God. But I've learned to see faith giving as the most incredible opportunity available. You know, when I first started, though, there were times when I treated it like an obligation. Like, okay, God, here's your scoop, right? I guess I have to give you some. Okay, uh, and didn't really want to give it, but got to give it. And we see here in, in 
uh, verse 7, that God doesn't want us to give grudgingly, right? He wants us to give cheerfully. And when we understand how eternal investments really work, we will no longer be fixated on amounts, just on the harvest. And if you want to see God work a miracle of provision in your life, then you have to be willing to empty the barrel so that He can refill it. So many Christians never empty the barrel, and they just keep trying to fill the same thing, and it, it, it doesn't flow. There's not abundant joy in that. Now, I want you to think about today's faith challenge with me. That giving isn't really about feelings, okay? It, it's about faith, uh, that God will honor His Word. God is able, it says, to make all grace abound toward you. I love the beginning of verse 11. Being enriched in everything to all bountifulness, which causeth through us thanksgiving to God. Tonight, we get to celebrate with thanksgiving what God is doing through this body of believers here. Uh, And in just a minute, we're going to sing a closing song. Uh, But before we do, as we finish out the service this morning, uh, I'm going to take you, I'm going to ask you to take out your perforated bulletin insert. And if you didn't get a bulletin today, uh, just slip your hand up and the ushers will bring you one of these. I want everybody to be able to see it, uh, whether or not you use it or not. Uh, We have shared with you over these last few weeks the goals for local and global missions. And now we have the opportunities to make commitments to God. And when you look at the overall goal for missions, uh, I don't know that there's anybody in here with the means of giving $1,840 a week to missions. Okay, maybe there is. I, I don't know. But, but you know, if the whole church body participates together, I believe God can make it possible Look, I I know times are tough out there. Inflation is headed straight up. Uh, Everything's more expensive. There are lots of financial doubts and problems. But folks, we serve the same God that the poor Macedonian Christians did back in the first century. And God can make a way for every single person to have a part. Uh, Kids who get an allowance can have a part. Teens who have a part-time job uh, can have a part. If you look at the tear-off portion at the bottom, it says this, By faith, I am making a commitment to give weekly or monthly to the eternal cause of worldwide missions through Centennial. And there is no place for your name. This is a promise between you and God, where you're telling God, God, I'm willing to empty the barrel, and if you refill it, I'll empty it again. Now, we do have a couple of things we've asked you to mark. Uh, If this is your first time to hear about or participate in grace giving, faith promise giving, if you mark that, we want to rejoice together in what God's doing. We're also asking you uh, to mark whether you're an individual giver or a couple giving together so that we can establish the number of givers in our mission budget. And then there are five blanks for you to write down your commitment or your commitments. 
the first line says, my commitment is uh, so many dollars per week or per month. And if you could circle either the W or M. That top line is for local missions, which is our Spanish ministry. Uh, the next line says, my commitment is dollars per week or month to the Congo Project, where we're partnering to train leaders in hundreds of churches and praying that God will use them to change an entire nation for His glory. Line three says, my commitment is dollars per week or month to increasing India. That's our partnership for helping poor pastors in southern India uh, who most of them make less than $50 a month. And we help them with funds and training. Line four is the line to mark. If you just want to give toward all the missionaries that we support to the General Mission Fund, which is our largest component, component of the missions budget, where we support 36 missionaries or mission projects uh, in the United States and in many countries of the world. And finally, line five is there to mark. If God has laid a particular missionary or mission project upon your heart, maybe you sense God leading you to provide the support for that missionary or part of the support for that missionary and to covenant to pray for the specific needs of that missionary. Get on their website, get their newsletter, get to know their family, uh, send presents to their kids. And, uh, there's a blank below for you to write the name of that missionary. Now, if you've had a chance to fill yours out, uh, make sure you write down on the top of the form what you've committed so as you remember, and then tear the bottom portion off. And uh, fold it in half. It's between you and God. And I'm going to ask our ushers to come to receive both our commitments and our worship service offering. And as they come this morning... I'd like to pray over you and your faith commitment to God. You know, these are investments that will last for eternity, and they will shape your heart on this earth. Uh, I'm so excited to see how the Lord is going to grow His people and bless His people through our faith. And so let me pray with you. Father, uh, I thank you that we could come this morning and be challenged from your word about grace giving. Uh, it's so clear in your word that you told us that if we sow sparingly, we reap sparingly. But if we sow bountifully, we reap bountifully. And so right now, as we purpose in our hearts to give, help us to do it cheerfully, knowing that God is able to make all grace abound toward us and to provide sufficient funds for us to give. Pray that you'd bless us now in a mighty way. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you stand together with us as we sing a song to close the service?